Welcome to the second episode of Save Our Soul Library, aka SOS Library, a podcast where three girls from New York with absolutely no expertise gives their honest opinions on the good, the bad, the overhyped, and the underrated. As always, we have Stan. Hi. Shan. Hello. And me, Lynn. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Today, we are going to be discussing three main things. One, the two bad Roman romance novels that we read for book club two we started watching the apple tv adaptation of pachinko starring lee min ho kim min ha and yoon yo jong of minari fame so we'll be discussing episode one and three any of the notable books that we read this month outside of our book club um so i think stan does a really good job with the short blurbs of these books so i'll let her take it away um, about the two bad romance novels we read this month for book club. Yeah, we were supposed to read Trust, but it didn't come in time. Yes, uh, what she so said. The, <laughs> so the first book uh, that we read in the interim was A Holly Jolly Diwali by Sonia Lolly. Uh, this is following Nikki, who is the youngest daughter of her family, who always her appeases her Punjabi Indian parents. And after she's pushed by her parents to reinvigorate her love life and letting and being let go at her middle management data analytics job, she decides to go to India to attend her college best friend best friend's wedding. And it also coincides with the Diwali holiday. I gave it a two. I guess my overall thing was I felt like you're not really invested in the characters and now there's a lot of exposition and nothing really happens. And even though Diwali is very much featured, it doesn't seem to be like the focus. Yeah, I also gave this a solid two out of five. And like, I really wanted to love this book, like really, truly. I had such high hopes for it. Like, I love the idea of a romance novel um, about two brown people and an idea of like Diwali playing a very important role in the entirety of the romance and I just felt like if you did not have a strong grasp of what Diwali was or the different kinds of um, mythologies that play into Diwali you would walk away from this thinking that it was just a really fluffy holiday that was relatively meaningless is the wrong word but kind of not important enough to warrant superficial a, yeah like it, it, very superficial it's kind of like the difference between like valentine's day and like president's day in the united states like you get a day off of work for one and you don't for the other right and i feel like this is a very like commercialized version of diwali mm. well i don't know i didn't know anything much about diwali um but i gave it a three uh, out of five i thought it was a fun read but fun because Everything was so ridiculous that it had to be shared. And it was also a fast read. It's not something that required a lot of thinking. <laughs> yeah, it was very, like, very fluffy, right? Like, you could sink into it without losing too much. Yeah, and I think that was because there was so much exposition, which was one of the reasons I didn't like it. Um, that and the unbelievable premises that sometimes romance novels have i it was just so ridiculous um really what was, wild <laughs> what was the name of that second guy or rather the first guy who we then came back around to raj i think yes i think it was his name raj yeah. I, I was gonna say ram but I, I think you're right i think it's raj um I so yeah, I guess I guess we'll go into spoilers now so if you don't want to read or if you don't want our spoilers don't that's basically what we thought of it. It was fine to bad. Um, but now spoilers. Yeah, go ahead, Shan. Yeah, uh, I guess skip this part if you don't want spoilers. Raj was the most forgettable character in the entire book. And I just, I feel like for a really long time uh, when we were reading this book together, we were struggling to really differentiate Raj from Sam. Yeah. Um, and Sam is the main, like, Romance. male yeah, lead in this book. Um, and it's just really unfortunate because they just weren't fleshed out, like, at all. I think Nikki, her parents, kind of her sister, but even, like, not really her sister, were the only tangible characters in this book. And even then, tangible is a very loose term. 
for what I, they were. Yeah, I they were the same like person. Yeah. The, the issues I had with the book, besides like all the exposition and not being invested in these two characters, is that I felt like a lot of the issues were resolved very quickly and like a lot of big ticket items were glossed over, like with the fight with her sister, his fight with his dad, like her family trip to to wherever they were living. <laughs> Seemed can like we, a huge deal at the beginning, and then it was just like a few sentences. Can we list out the unbelievable things that happened in this book? Because I have a list. One of them was <laughs> one of them was that sister thing where her and her sister get into a fight, and then you have your sister ignore you for weeks after getting into a shouting match over the phone, and then just act like it was nothing and reconcile immediately when you see the other person. Also, this is at the very end of the book, but that scene where her entire family leaves the house so a random strange man can come <laughs> into the house and decorate it the way they see fit, no brown mother would ever. Yeah, ever. that's like a, like a white thing. 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, another un believable premise was having loving and supportive immigrant parents um that was just not realistic to me (laughs) oh my god having immigrant parents who know what hinge and tinder are unbelievable uh you mentioned this shan in our discord but when she goes to india and she's you know interested in this guy named sam and then he invites her over to their house because they're oh, going yeah. to like this other area and then the auntie the mom wanted her to sleep in the same room as him so that they would get it on absolutely ridiculous also just while we're at it that whole scene where she meets Rukh khan and has no idea who this like suspiciously handsome uncle is and why he's giving her love advice i like that was the moment that i wanted to throw this book out the window and never pick it back up again I guess for for people who don't know, could you explain why? Shah Rukh Khan is like one of the iconic brown <laughs> men of Bollywood. Like he has been in hits like Kabi Kashi Kabi Gam or Kuch Kuch Hodahe. There are so many things that that man has been in. He has done crossover films outside of Bollywood with other famous international stars. He is just like the Leonardo DiCaprio but better. Um, because he can sing and dance and act and he just like he's he's one of the peak male romantic leads of Bollywood in like the 90s when I was growing up like I love that man he was basically if you're brown you should know who this guy is no matter it doesn't matter if you're American or not yeah yes like if you're a brown person you know who this man is (laughs) yeah yeah and it's it's not even like that it's the fact that you know like you kind of grow up with this person yeah, uh, because, you know, he's in movies and shows and things that would be in the background. And so even if you didn't even know his name, which is very implausible, you would at least know what he looked like. Yeah. And like, even if he she wasn't like watching these movies or like had brown friends who would talk about this constantly, like you said, which it's she always did, gonna, which, <laughs> yeah, she did. But it would always be in the background because her parents would probably be talking about it. Or like listening or watching these shows too. Yeah, but I think we're 100%. getting too hung up on this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but I think another issue I had with the book was that there was a lot of thirsting. Like she there was oh a my God. <laughs> sexual tension on her part. I didn't really feel it from Sam, to be honest. Well, that's um, because Sam wasn't real. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he was like <laughs> flat Stanley, two-dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, she just saw him like playing yeah. the bass and was just like, that's it. That's all I need as a single 30 year old. I just feel like, I feel like the blurb on the back of the book said something about her trying to learn about her culture and herself. But all I learned was how much she was, how much, how horny she was for this guy and not enough about her culture. And they didn't even end up sleeping together. Not that it would have helped the book, but it just felt kind of unsatisfying. Um, I think this is a really good time to introduce Lynn's horny-o-meter. What would you rate it? <laughs> I'm not horny at all. <laughs> not horny at all. There not you go. That's where all. it ranks. So if you yeah. want a book that gets you horny, this won't get you there. Nope. Absolutely yeah. not. I will say it did touch a little bit, just a little bit, on some touchstone issues that Asian South Asian women go through. Like there's, 
you know, mentions of familial pressures, colorism, sexism, casteism, classism, but it was all like a sentence or it was so surface level. Like they, she brought it up to like make it aware that she knows that these things happen, but there wasn't any commentary on it that was enough to make me think that it was anything genuine because everything was tied up very neatly. And like if it was touched on, it was like a very side, side, side plot point that never came back into play. Yes. Um, And I am thinking specifically of the couple pages, maybe sentences we got where she is walking through, I think, uh, the city to go to the mall and is very upset by how she's being treated by men, being trailed by men, this kind, and how like she doesn't have to worry about this kind of like violence towards women in America and the way that she has to worry about it in India. And then she and never feels that ever, ever again. She doesn't say, say <laughs> exactly. anything about it afterwards. Yeah. Like, I do think the author is trying a little bit, but it's just not, it's not deep enough for it to make an impact on the reader. I don't have a lot of good things to say about the book, but the only good thing I will say is um, there were times where I related to her for being like the good child and resenting or or envying like our siblings for being able to do things that we couldn't or didn't feel like we could do. Like that's the only good part of it that I related to. Everything else I didn't really like. She did say in the book a lot of the times that family is the most important thing to focus on and then continue to write about only the romance parts and not about <laughs> family at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any other final thoughts? I will also say, just touching on the family aspect of this, uh, especially given the next book that we read, <laughs> um, I think that she had a very loving and supportive family and that a lot of the pressures she put on like herself. she claims was put on her by her family was actually put on by herself. Yeah. Um like I especially in light of our next book, I think a lot of it is really just her putting pressure on herself versus the family doing it to her. Yeah, I think that's a little bit why I liked it more than the previous book. Like you guys gave both of those books two stars. I like this one better uh because I thought at least that this was an adult woman, you know, who kind of knew knew what she wanted she just she was just horny and it was just and it was just a ridiculous story but it got where she it got her where she wanted to go essentially even though also nothing about it was Shan wanted to give it three stars after reading the second yeah I was just gonna say that I think as a really good segue into the next book um our next book was I love you so mochi and I'm gonna let Stan do her thing but it was a two stars from me (laughs) uh so yeah the next book was also something light and fluffy uh it was called i love you so mochi by sarah coon uh it's about this senior i think in high school she's like a second generation japanese american high schooler who goes to japan to find herself during spring spring break and find out what her passion or like what her career should be after falling out with her mother's expectations of her to become a painter. Um, and she, of course, meets a guy in Japan. In the mochi outfit. Yeah. So that's so it's a romance slash coming of age young adult novel. Whereas the first book was a solidly adult romance novel. I will say I think I am the only one out of the three of us who enjoyed this one better than a Holly Jolly Diwali, but not by not not much more. <laughs> yeah, so for this one we rated it 2 stars across the board because I could not buy the premise or the execution of this book at all. Like nothing about it I could buy. Going into it I knew it was going to be like a dumb book. And because I feel like they're much younger, I am not as harsh or maybe I don't know. I don't feel like I was oh, as yeah. harsh for this. I am very biased against young adult books right now. I think I'm in a phase in my life where I don't think I can read young adult books right now. So that's that's my own personal bias coming in. I think same. I, but maybe certain books. Like maybe not romance books. Uh, because spoilers, I guess. Her biggest problem was dumb. 
Like she had no reason to travel all the way to Japan to find out she loves or she should be doing fashion design when she was that's all she was doing. And then Akira, the love interest, he was too perfect, right? Like the only little argument they seemed to have just felt like it was added in there for the sake of conflict, right? But if it was removed, it wouldn't have changed the story at all, in my opinion. 100%. What I liked about it versus A Holly Jolly Diwali was that she was able to explore her country a lot more than Nikki was. Like we learned a lot more about like the historical stuff or like the religious, spiritual aspect of Japan as well as as well as the food. I liked the characters in the book a little bit better. Like I loved the grandpa. The grandpa was my favorite character and I feel like the arc of her and her mom reconciling was a lot better than Nikki and her sister. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I honestly think that this book made me want to give a Holly Jolly Diwali a better rating. Um, I think very similarly to Stan, I also am just, I can't do YA romances anymore. Um, I read I Kissed Shara Wheeler last year and gave it five stars and I recently reread it and I definitely <laughs> would give it like two now. Oh no, <laughs> why did you do that? Well, it was. I was just curious after reading I Love You So Mochi because I was like, well, I wonder how far apart these two books are really, you know, now that I'm out of that reading funk that I was in when I picked up I Kiss Shara Wheeler. Um, so I just reread it. And after reading it, I think very similarly to you, Stan, I was like, hmm, young adults are not that bright. Not even yeah. the ones who think they are. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I can we can all say that we're not we can't read YA romances anymore because I'm on the same boat after reading this one as well. Like it was cute, but I'm okay with not reading yeah. anything like this again. I, I also will say, go ahead. Shan. I just finished. I think it's I'll be the one to watch, or I'll be the one. I'll be the one, and it's like this a, a similar YA romancey book about someone trying to be a K-pop star. And there were very many moments where I was like, oh, my God, you like each other. Just say you like each other and move on. Why is this so excruciating? And eventually, spoiler alert, when the two characters do get together, it's like, and then her life is perfect. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) I will say that there are some middle grade young adult books that we've all read that Lalani that have been good. So I don't want to say that juvenile things are not for us because I I am open to good middle grade young adult stories. I think we are as well. I think it's just romances are not what we would want to read in terms of YA books anymore. Right. Like A Snake Falls to the Earth was phenomenal. Yeah. I even for I mean, I guess like if it's solely for romance, this one was bad, but it wasn't I can't even say it's a solely romantic book because half of the story was about herself like it was a kind of age <laughs> book and I think that's the, true I think the the core criticism that I had was at the start of the book it introduced a premise that I could not get with because the mother of uh, Kimmy was so horrible like not a real character it was I felt like a person a character created just to get Kimmy to Japan and none of it felt real because she was traumatic and there I made a list of things that she did that you shouldn't do to your child like making a scene in front of a public classroom about how disappointed you are with her pressuring her to follow your artistic profession as the only viable career option like that is Okay, so if people don't know, this book follows a mom who is an artist. She's a painter, like an art gallery painter, not a construction painter. And she thinks that being a painter is the best career option for her talented daughter in this world to get the best opportunities, which is the most ridiculous premise yeah. in the whole fucking as, world. Uh... I, as, some, I, it just, <laughs> as, 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 as someone who, you know, has immigrant parents, even as someone who's not an immigrant, being in the arts is not a viable yeah. career option. I feel like that was the, the most unbelievable part of the story or unrealistic part of the story. I feel like I can definitely see moms 
in real life embarrassing her kids in in person and causing all that trauma so i i i'm okay i guess i'm not okay with the trauma but like i understand why it's there but there's no reconciling it there's no acknowledgement that what she did was wrong she kind of just said i understand where you're coming from and like i found where i need to be and then it was like all bow ties and happy endings but isn't that more realistic because none of our Asian parents would apologize but acknowledge she, any of it. <laughs> but it was just so and even crazier is that she was so prevalent in the first like 15% of the book that made me so angry. And then she just ghosts her own daughter by not answering any of her emails and not coming back in until the very end of the book. And it was like, what was all that for? It was like this horrible, horrible thing. With your, with your parents, with your mom, and then this romantic journey that fixes everything. And then the mom comes back in at the end and it just, ta-da. I guess I don't have a, uh, much as much of a problem with that because I feel like if I were in her shoes, I wouldn't really know how to respond to something like that. If, if me and my daughter has never talked about something like that in the past, you know, like I would need the time to maybe think about it. And then... Maybe in person we can discuss it, but... Yeah, but to that point, like, even after Kimmy comes home, they avoid each other for, like, three days. And the excuse is, like, well, they both have these really important art show things to work on, so obviously they can't talk. And I'm like, are you kidding? You just spent, like, a whole week, (laughs) right, I guess if... I guess it might have also... It might be due to, like, Japanese culture of, like, not confronting, you know, the family or, like, tiptoeing around things because the grandmother kind of did the same thing with her own daughter. But it wasn't mentioned. It wasn't, like, given that as, like, a reason either. Because if we're not... Because we're not Japanese, and we should really understand where they're coming from as, you know, part of their culture, if that's what it is, to kind of explain it, but it wasn't explained. It's very jarring, is what I'll say. And that's not even touching upon the male love interest as being a manic pixie dream boy where he just comes into her life to change her worldview to inspire her and then basically she leaves and he's gone but like still there making an impact i really wanted there to be an issue with him (laughs) you really did like he was just perfect you know he could be a stalker what are the chances the ex what are the chances that you go to japan where people do not speak english there and, and they finding, all speak English. And your grandparents speak perfect English. This guy you literally just met randomly who's like super cute and is interested in you, interested in you immediately also speaks perfect English. And happens to be around her age. Yeah. And it's not creepy at all. He's so honorable. <laughs> like that doesn't exist. It's teaching young children who read this that it's okay to go abroad and just make friends with strangers. Uh, I would say this is for 12-year-old girls who have also never been kissed before. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because in this character, she got her first kiss with I really wanted him to be a fuckboy. Was your first kiss a fuckboy, Lynn? Oh, yes. We need to talk about that. Our first (laughs) kiss. Did everybody get their stories ready? I don't think everyone has that much of a story. It sounds like you have a story. (laughs) I don't really have a story, but it's just the story of our first kiss, right? That's what we agreed to share. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that was my segue okay yeah I, I, I picked up what you were putting down <laughs> <laughs> so near my house there is a I guess there was a factory and they had a parking lot and in the parking lot like kids can go in and like play ball and do whatever they wanted because it was basically our like playground for a bit before the whole thing was torn down and a school was built there so my boyfriend at the time I was in seventh eighth grade he came visited me we hung out in the playground we got up on a on a the back of a pickup truck god it was just a random pickup so truck raunchy. we just needed this a makes it sound like we live in the country I just want you to know that but go on <laughs> I'm imagining a prison <laughs> I was I mean, not imagining looked, a prison. It looked kind of like one. Like it was, it was a factory. Like it's urban. are kind of dingy. Um, but yeah, we just kissed there, and it was very wet because we didn't know what we we're doing. 
gross. <laughs> I did yeah, not honestly, feel the same way. So you Timmy went straight did. from no kiss to to like Frenching on each other without any experience. I think so. I or love, I love actually, the boldness. I feel like maybe I might be mis- misremembering because I remember, I think it wasn't a French kiss, right? It was just like a regular kiss. But then I remember me <laughs> trying to get him to French kiss me. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. And then it became really wet. Gross. Oh my God. That's okay. Gross. Next. My, I can go uh, my, next. Yeah, you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I was like 12. Um, wow, you guys are so young. <laughs> I was 36. Um, <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, I was at – my church used to do this thing, and it was a like summer getaway, but for all the like youths of the church, so anyone who was like 12 plus. So I was very excited because it was my first time. Um, like being away from home for like a week. It was like their version of summer camp, really. Um, and it was at like some fancy, like think Camp David type-esque like retreat. Um, Cause obviously there was like a gaggle of us plus all of our church chaperones and whatever. And we got to sleep in like bunk beds and girls cabins, boys cabins, the whole nine yards. And so I think the second night we were there, they had like, what is it? A fire pit like with... um campfires and stuff and they were handing out like s'mores and all of these other things you could put over the fire and i was terrified because i had never seen fire that large before and i was very scared of like doing it wrong and looking uncool in front of all the other kids who had obviously (laughs) done this before um and there was this really nice guy he was like maybe two years older than me who i knew from church like i'd known him since i was a kid um I will not name him. <laughs> uh, but he was like basically helping me out like with the marshmallows and whatever so I could make my own s'more. And I I think like the way – think of like, you know, when someone's teaching you how to shoot pool and they're like over your shoulder kind of thing. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It was very like similar. <laughs> And but with a stick and marshmallows. Yeah, exactly. Instead oh of a pool God. stick, it's just a stick of marshmallows. And like <laughs> I was looking at him from like over my shoulder and he just he kissed me and it was very brief. And I was like, oh my God, this is so romantic. <laughs> Nothing will ever talk this moment in my life. Um and then we didn't talk for the rest of the trip. <laughs> so he just went in to get his get and get out. Pretty much. Was oh it like a like a goodness. peck on the lips? It was definitely a peck. It was like a bunch of church people around us. I'm sure someone went home and told my mother. (laughs) Oh, scandalous. Do you still see this person? Yes, because his sister married one of my cousins. Oh. (laughs) So he's in the family now. Yeah, um, but he is happily married to a very lovely girl, and they just had a baby last year. Oh, Um, I think I remember who this guy is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you know who this guy is, Lynn. (laughs) I think you showed us pictures. Probably. Um, interesting. Mine is not. Mine is not that interesting. Stan. It was just at a We're botanical ready. garden. It was just at a botanical garden. It was a very picturesque place. It details though. Details. Well, I know. I feel like Lynn and I had whole backdrops. <laughs> I mean, there's not really. I was not 12. I was not in middle school. I was a sophomore in high school. So, like. I might as well have been a hundred years old <laughs> compared to you guys. Um, oh my god! And there was no open mouth slobber. There was, there was no, no open mouth slobber for mine either. There was no open fire. There was no flames. <laughs> there, there, there was no public like people like watching us or being potentially caught. It was private, and it was sweet, and it was very nice. That's it. <laughs> the way I like it. The most wholesome. <laughs> that was an adventure. Wait, can we just talk to to Bree to come back around to the book? After Timmy has her first kiss, the next chapter is all about kissing and it's oh. just as cringy as <laughs> wait, you can. Oh yeah. She's just like, I love kissing. Wait, 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 wait. Let me let me get the book. <laughs> no, no. She has to do it. I mean, I there's no it. real other way it. to describe it. I need to read it. <laughs> and now for a dramatic reading of what kissing feels like. 
Gross. Uh, what chapter was it? 14? 14. I think it was 14. I couldn't, I will never forget that. All right, all right. <laughs> right <laughs> after they kiss, chapter 14, first sentence kissing is awesome. Seriously, I can't get enough of it. It's been two days since my declaration at the, par- at the market. Akira and I have spent almost every minute together, and a lot of those minutes have been devoted to kissing. That's gross. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> so, yeah, I wouldn't recommend either of these books. Yeah, don't read these. Not a... I mean, I guess if you want to, like, rage with other people, these two are good books to rage over, but I don't like rage reading. I, I want to read books that are, like, enjoyable and fun, so... Yes, I will say I think what made both of these books more enjoyable was reading them with you two. Pachinko, what did everybody think of the first episode? Uh, so for people who don't know, it's a oh, Apple TV yes. series mm-hmm. about a small seaside village in Korea dealing with Japanese occupation in the early 20th century. Uh, and it toggles between that and then a flash forward to the 80s, 1980s, where one of the descendants is an, in an American corporation trying to get ahead. And it finds him back in Japan. I thought it was fine. It was well acted. There was good scenery. And it's pretty accurate to the book. The change so far that was like the most prominent was instead of doing a linear sto- telling of the story... They jumped back and forth between like the past and the the present, which it definitely makes sense if you are trying to adopt a book like that to TV. Because if they did it linearly, I feel like people would have gotten lost, or like they would have lost a lot of viewers that way. If yeah, I think I think the way they put it captivated audiences better. I agree. I will say I think the other change that they made is that Sunja the child is a lot more forward in the drama versus the book they added a lot of like little details about her and her relationship with her her parents i believe that weren't in the book like you can see how close she is with her father but that i think that was downplayed in the book because they kind of breezed through there's a lot to get through to be fair there's a lot of characters a lot of history to get through but they definitely breezed through like her mom and her dad, and focus mainly on her in the book. Whereas this, I think they spent a little bit of time building her backstory and her relationship between her current family before, I guess, they, they're they going to move on to the next part of her life. Yeah, I thought that was compelling. I'm a sucker for historical things, so I thought it was really good. And it's probably why I didn't find the contemporary parts as compelling. I felt like there wasn't much focus on that character on Solomon in the book um especially as I started to check out near the end of reading the book because the author spent less time with them with the characters yeah so therefore I cared less about those characters because she didn't spend that much time on them so it was a little hard to find any connection or attachment to the Solomon guy in the show to me and maybe to people who didn't watch or who didn't read the book he just seems like another corporate shill. <laughs> That's a very funny way of putting it. And now I don't think I can unsee it. <laughs> I didn't mean to like break anyone's glass ceiling or wall or, or shatter their wall. But like, yeah. What were your thoughts before? <laughs> oh, I mean, I think because I had read the book, I... I genuinely could not remember who Solomon was. Yep. I thought he was someone else for a very long time and was then confused by that because I knew how that other character's um, yeah. arc ended. And it took me a minute to realize who he was because, like you said, Stan, like Solomon doesn't come in until much, much later in the actual book. Um, so I was very thrown off by it. I think, I think what Solomon does a good job of encapsulating is migration. Um, immigration and migration and very early on in this first episode he's talking to two white men in his office and he's like oh yeah I can get this Korean person to sell and they're like wait aren't you Japanese and he does this thing which I do a lot when people are like wait aren't you this where are you really from where he's just like I'm from Japan but I'm Korean so blah 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 right like explaining your background Um, and I think I think that's what his character is best at 
showing how history is not linear and how someone who is Korean but born is born in Japan and raised in Japan like can then end up in America. I thought you were going to say he's good at code switching. <laughs> that <mind>. too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just look at the way he talks to like uh, Etsuko versus like his grandmother versus those people in the office. Yeah, but he feels like he has some devious eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think maybe his eyes are like he 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 feels like he's better than like his 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 dad at least because his dad runs a pachinko parlor, right? So that's not his idea of like success because every time they talk about the pachinko parlor, like he's always telling his dad to sell it, and even his grandmother's like. We know you you are ashamed of your dad running this pachinko parlor. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it's really good to introduce him early on if they're going to kind of talk about shame, uh, destabilize that worldview a little bit. Like maybe we think that as well as the viewer and then hopefully as the story goes on, we'll see like what the family goes through and hopefully come out the other side being a little bit more humble about you know where we're coming from where people you know how they were brought up um that it's shaped by our circumstances not because of a choice or because people are lazy or trying to take the convenient way out i thought you're gonna say it's a good reason he was brought in early because the um because he could be a good comparison to another character that we haven't met yet because of I guess, like, I guess they don't share the same mutual shame, shame, but they are ashamed of their family in some way, and how one deals with it, and one, like, how each. That too, I think. I think one of the reasons why Lee's book is so good is because there are a lot of parallels that you can draw between the characters, mm-hmm. um, and that can be another link, yeah, another through line. Um, yeah, we'll just. I guess next time we'll share our thoughts on episode two. If anybody else has seen the show and have comments about it, let us know. But in the meantime, I guess we can move on to the books that we've read this month that were kind of notable, whether they were really good or just really bad. Who wants to start? Um, I'll start since I don't have, I didn't read that much. Um, Or rather I read a lot, but haven't finished many books. Um, I would say that for notable good books, I just finished the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson. It's a fantasy series that follows a female protagonist uh, who's named Vin. She's a street rat and is taken up by a thieving crew to overthrow an immortal Lord Ruler who's been uh, a tyrannical sort of dictator for the last thousand years. Um, and I would say if you want a, com- a comprehensive fantasy world with some really well-crafted magic systems, some compelling lore, mythology, um, it's a really good uh, book series to get into. Uh, I rated it very highly. I gave it five stars. As for not so compelling reads, the other book that I read was The Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels. I think it's by India Holton or Horton. It's a romance slash fantasy slash historical novel. It follows Victorian society, an alternate Victorian society where there are witches who have houses that move and travel with magic, but it's not explained. And it follows a young woman, Cecilia, trying to be included in this adult society, despite a lot of things getting in the way, uh, including her aunt, assassins, gossip. (laughs) It's kind of whimsical, I guess. So if people aren't picky about their romance and just want something sort of whimsical and also have everything spoiled for them by the chapter titles, (laughs) because the chapter titles are literally like, a kidnapping or something. And sounds then like, like sounds like Shan and I's type of book. We love spoilers. I agree. I was just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the so basically it tells you what's gonna happen in the chapter titles and then it's like what happens and then it you know goes on, which was weird. But it's also a series, it's the first in a series. 
but I will not be continuing <laughs> with the series. I guess I can go next. I feel like I read a, a good amount of books that were pretty good. I gave a lot of them, four, well, I gave like all of them four stars except for the two books we read together. Um, and then Sorry. They, it, it's okay. <laughs> we, we picked it, you know, so <laughs> there's going to be hits and misses. Um, the one book I gave three star was Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata. That was pretty good. But the one book that kind of stood out to me this month was Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. The Mushrooms. Yes, The Mushrooms. It's like a gothic horror novel. It is like a gothic horror novel where I forgot her name. So I'm I'm looking this up now because I'm bad at remembering names. I can't even remember her name and I read this very recently. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so Nomi heads to the high place, which is like a distant house in the Mexican countryside to see what's going up with her cousin because her cousin sent her a weird, mysterious letter saying, help me, help me. Um, and she's married to some random Englishman who is a strange stranger. So she goes and finds that her cousin, Nomi, um, her cousin is kind of like constantly in a daze. And she doesn't really, she's she doesn't have like the right state of mind. She's asking for help, saying that she sees things and hear things. And nobody in the house is helping her. They all think that she's just, she's, Everybody is telling her that she's fine. She just needs to take some medicine. Gaslighting her. Yeah, basically gaslighting her. And although at first this book started off really slow, like kind of slow, the way she like wrote about the environment that she's in within the high place and all the characters made me really uncomfortable and creeped out by the family and the house itself. But I couldn't help but keep reading to find out why. Like, what's wrong with this family? What's affecting the cousin and her? Because she's starting to feel side effects from living in this house. And how they're going to get out of it. Because it feels like a web that she can't get out of, right? And I couldn't put it down at all. Mm. At some point, there was a turning point in the book. And I couldn't stop reading it. Even though I was in the office and I had to work. I did no work. (laughs) I was... (laughs) Are you just were you just reading in the office while other people were working? Yes. Oh my god, Lynn. It was Amazing. an ebook, so they couldn't tell. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but like this book has like every creepy shit you can think of. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it honestly unnerved me. I could not read this book before I went to sleep. Interesting. I did not think it was that creepy, but it it had good vibes. I liked the writing I really liked the author's writing style so I really liked the way it was written so I wasn't yeah. as creeped out I guess but um I, I love the setting yeah I I, I would say writing. I think I really like this book more than uh Gods of Jade and Shadow um which, which was, is another book she wrote yeah which is another that book we that read she last wrote year. that we read last year yeah and like this is always the book for this month that I keep going back to if anybody like asked me what book I would read because I was like very pleasantly surprised because I didn't think I would like this book because I'm not really a horror person I don't like maybe watching. you are I think maybe you just are opened Lynn. up yeah when no, I, I read think... this book you were the first person I thought of that I wanted to recommend this book but to. why I hate watching horror but I think I'm okay with reading horror because I'm the same way. I hate watching horror. I can't really stand gore, but I I am intrigued by like the deeper, I guess, horrors of literature. Like mm-hmm. even if we go back to like American literature, I'm a big fan of like Edith Wharton and like the House of Mirth. Uh and a lot of like Edward Allan Poe type work. Yeah. Um, I just think it's so interesting. I think it is. To, I think to read through. I think maybe I should explore more horror books. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely a great book. And like I recommended it right away to somebody else. And they liked the book after reading it as well. I will also say I thought of you because it had to do with mushrooms. And I know how much you love mushrooms. <laughs> so does Stan. Really? I read it already. Yeah, I knew um, you had read it already. I, d- I didn't think Lynn had. I guess we like eating mushrooms. Because I know you hate mushrooms i can't stand mushrooms yeah i was like why why is mushrooms creeping people out so much because of this book i read it and i'm like okay i get it (laughs) 
And then the, the other book I will probably mention is Kitchen Confidential Adventures in the Culinary Underbelly by Anthony Bourdain. It's my first nonfiction of the year. Yay! Yay! Woo-hoo! <laughs> um, I will say it was very it was a very entertaining read. I learned that I could never ever be a chef. Um, and I feel like his writing style is very much like stream of consciousness. He's just basically tell it's like he's telling you the story in person you know like if i sat down with him and he, we were having a conversation i feel like this is how he would start off his story mm-hmm. um and then like besides like the beginning of the book where he like talked about what drew him to food and his like college life at rasser before he left for the culinary institute the whole story the whole book was about his life but through the different restaurants he's worked at so like nothing outside of the restaurant it's all oh this happened at this restaurant and it shaped me to be how i am and, and so on and so on which i thought was very interesting um and i didn't really know a lot about him before reading this except that he was a famous chef i'm kind of surprised to hear he had so many failures because i always imagine like if you're a famous chef you must have had like a lot of success but he did not I think that's what makes him so, like, endearing mm-hmm. to his fans. It's because unlike a lot of very famous chefs who, you know, kind of build themselves up on their accolades and successes, he was just a very, like, real person, yeah. whether it came to, like, his addictions or his failures or even the kind of food that he wanted to seek out when he went to different countries and stuff. Yeah, I, I got that. He he was, like... He's not afraid to tell you everything, like every little bad thing that happened that normal people or like successful people would be kind of afraid to touch upon. Like he doesn't care about that. He doesn't put up any fronts. He tells it as it is. And I think he doesn't like romanticize working at a restaurant or being a chef, which I feel like a lot of people would do sometimes. Do they? I hear it's horrible. I do too. I, I've heard <laughs> it was horrible too. But I, I've, I also read, know- I've also read a book about you know, it was like a memoir by a chef and it was it was horrible. But I feel yeah. like a lot of people who want to be a chef kind of romanticizes it, you know? I agree. Like, look at Ratatouille. You're but- right. Look at the cartoon rat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ignoring it's the cartoon the best. rat. <laughs> it's the best movie, okay? All right, those are my two mentions. Jan. I think I'm just going to stick with my five-star reads from this month because I read a lot. Um, yes. <laughs> Okay, so my first five-star read of the year was actually the book that Stan gifted me for Christmas, Um, A Psalm for the Wild (gasps) Built by Becky Chambers. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually going through my log, and that was the first one to get five stars from me this year. Um, So I don't even know how to describe this book because, like, as a concept, it it seems very strange, but the way that it was described when Stan gave it to me is, like, it was a warm hug or like a warm cup of tea and honestly couldn't have been more accurate. So I read this on my flight back home uh, early in January and I gobbled it up. Like there are sentient robots. There's a tea monk. Uh, it's like a very optimistic story. And maybe it was just because I was at, it was like the first week of the new year. Um, but it just like filled my heart with a lot of warmth. Um, and honestly, there was a lot of little like nuggets of insight there, whether it was from like religion or the concept of feelings, like it was my kind of book because at nothing was happening and everything was happening all at once. <laughs> um, and I just really love that. And I actually it was good vibes. Yeah. And like <laughs> the one thing I wrote about this is I have never wished more for a sweet robot friend who would marvel at the simplicity of holding my hand. It reminds Aww. me of Wally. I it's don't know so why. It's so similar to Wally. <laughs> yeah, it's got some Wally vibes. I guess if you like Wally, yeah. you love a Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. Uh, unfortunately, I did not really like Wally. Uh, then don't read this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still gonna read it, but you it's can also a very mine. short. It's a it's a very short book. Too. Yes, like it's very like easy to dip in and out of. Yeah. Um, I read it while I was in the airport, but I think you could really just pick it up and put it down whenever and read it. It was great. My second book, also, I think I mentioned this, but in case I didn't, there are four five star. Wait, one, two, three, four, five. There are five. 
<laughs> so I'll try to keep them quick. Um, the second one is called Brown Girls by Daphne Palisse Andretas. And I will say, I do not think this is going to be five stars for everybody. It was five stars for me because it hit really close to home. It is literally about brown girls growing up in Queens along Queens Boulevard and what it feels like to like want to get away from your community and become a different person, but also how you're drawn back to it. And this book is kind of written like a poem. Like there's a lot of short verse. Um, You have to be willing to let go of the bounds of reality to be able to enjoy this book because Mm. you will get closure on some characters and you will not get closure on some characters and they kind of mix and meld into each other. I think one of the things I really loved about this book is that when she says brown girls, she's talking about like every girl in the shade of brown. So it's like you've got Indian girls, you've got Filipino girls, you've got Latina girls. Like there are so many different types of brown in this book that I think are really lovely, but I also think can be very confusing for people who like very structured stories with conclusive plot points and very tangible characters. Mm. Um, so go into it with an open mind. Yes, I think that is Ooh. the best way to, to think about I will about try. I don't think you're going to like it, Lynn. I'm just going to say this. <laughs> I know, but I, I put it in my two reads anyway. <laughs> okay. I think it's going to be a two star for you. I'm just saying. Yeah. I feel like based on what you said, I, I like having that closure. But yeah. You're not going to get it. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Such is life. There is no closure in life. True. And Which is I why life is... sucks. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, that took a turn. <laughs> Um, my next five star read was Little Fires Everywhere by Celestine. I've Yay. never read this book, but so many people, when I mentioned this is what I was reading, were like, oh my God, I love that book. It's so good. And initially I was like, people are being really dramatic about this book for no reason. <laughs> like, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't sold when I started reading it. Um, but the more I got into it, I think kind of similarly to you, Lynn, like at some point I just could not put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you want to give a non-spoiler blurb? Yeah. Um, so TLDR, what is the neighborhood called? It's like a planned Shaker Heights. Yes. Uh, Shaker Heights, Ohio? Cleveland. Yes. 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 Cleveland, Ohio. Is where the story takes place. Fun fact, it is a real place and that is in fact where the author grew up. And it was like one of the America's like first planned neighborhoods. And the story explores a white family who was kind of like born and raised there and knows everybody and knows all the rules. They're renting out of a secondary house that they own to a single black mom and her daughter and just the interactions between these two families and all of these characters and how it kind of quite, quite literally explodes. Um, into a fire (laughs) it does a really wonderful job uh you know kind of like how you were talking about earlier lynn like where you're like i love closure Mm -hmm. there is closure for everybody every single character gets closure (laughs) or like and when i say gets closure i don't mean that they live happily ever after i mean that you as a reader firmly know who these people are Mm -hmm. um yeah i would say that this book does a really good job of like a character yes like analysis of like these types of characters, who they are, how they interact with each other and what happens when they interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And it feels so real. And then it just touches upon a lot of like social issues. So many social issues. And it's just really well-written. Yeah. Like my summary of this book in my journal is I thought this was going to be overhyped, but it was truly excellent. (laughs) The prose was fantastic and the plot moved along very quickly. I didn't find myself thinking any character was fully right or fully wrong, but rather that there were people who made choices, even if they were somewhat misguided choices. Um, and I, I do think this really and truly. I think one of the things this book does so incredibly well is capturing like the insidious, like hateful nature of racism um, and how it doesn't always need to be overt to actively cause harm. Yeah. I put it on my to read list. I think you're going to like it. Okay. Um, okay. I have two more books. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Can I guess one of them? Uh, yeah. Is it Becoming? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> that was actually the next one. <laughs> So I have owned Michelle Obama's Becoming since it came out and I've never read it. Um, And it's not for any particular reason. It's just that I never got around to reading it. And I decided to pick it up because it fits one of our pop sugar challenges this year. And 
I think both of you know, but for the sake of anyone listening to this, uh, hopefully no one, but just in case, um, I don't like audiobooks. (laughs) I really can't stand them, but I actually read most of this book as an audiobook. Does she, was, does she narrate it? She does narrate it. And honestly, I spent about 50% of it as an audiobook and 50% reading it like as a hardcover book that I owned. And I love the audiobook more. I actually went Ooh. back and re-listened to it fully as an You're audiobook. You're just like, Michelle's in my ear. And also, like, you can hear her emotion when she's talking about certain things versus, like, just reading about it. <laughs> there were many moments where I was like, am I Michelle Obama? <laughs> <laughs> We're all Michelle Obama. Jan. Actually, though. Um, but it's because I, you know what? We hear a lot about Barack and Michelle, right? And hearing Michelle talk about Barack in a way that is very like real, like he's a messy person who leaves his shit around and it drives her crazy. Like it gave me a whole new appreciation for the family front that they presented. Uh, when they were in the White House, but then also the ways in which they are a family outside of the public eye. And and she focuses a lot on that, a lot on like what it means to be a mom when your husband is in politics, what it's like to be a mom when your husband's the president. And also just what not- it means to be a very successful woman in a career. Yes. And then and then have your husband become president. Yes. Like and also just talking about like the friendships that she made pre-politics. And how she tried her best with, like, the first lady role. I guess I just never really realized how ambiguous being first lady was. Admittedly, I was coming of an age where politics were becoming more important when the Obamas were uh, in office. So it's not like I ever really paid attention before that. <laughs> but I think she just she just does such a good job of having a book that's not just about being the wife of the president. Like you learn so much about her as a person prior to Barack and then so much about who she wants to be. And it was just so well done. Like in my heart, I know she probably didn't write this all by herself. Like obviously <laughs> there was probably- Really? Is there a second name on the cover? There isn't not, a second she... name on the cover. It's just mm. her name. But I did see like in the Goodreads reviews, people being like, I'm sure this was ghostwritten. And I'm like, well, I guess we'll never know. Uh, <laughs> they have to tell you because I've I've read books that were ghostwritten. Oh, well. And they have to, t- they say two, they have two names on the author. I can't like vouch for certain, but I feel like it would be such a scandal if it came out that Michelle didn't write her own book. Right. And it really felt like she wrote it. And hearing her tell her story was so much more powerful than than reading it. And I just really loved it. It was truly inspirational. Like, I walked away from that book feeling like I could do anything because (laughs) what Michelle Obama was able to accomplish. Yeah, and my last book was A Fire Endless by Rebecca Ross. It was so good. (laughs) Just, I could not put this book down at some point. So my husband left our apartment, like fully left to go do errands and was out for like an hour and a half. And he came back and unpacked all of the groceries and put stuff away and changed his clothes and sat down at the computer. And I looked up and I went, you haven't moved from the chair for hours. <laughs> and he went, you haven't moved from the chair. <laughs> he was like, I had a whole afternoon. <laughs> like that is how engrossed in A Fire Endless I was. It is a sequel. I think the first book is called A River Enchanted. And it's just, it's phenomenal. It's like a a spin on Scottish mythology and has to do with like bards and enchantments and nature spirits controlling things. And it's just, it was so good. I already put it on my list. It's on the list. (laughs) I have both books if you would like to borrow both. Okay. What a a great month for you, Shan. I know. I kind of makes up for the not great books. (laughs) I feel like for the five star books, I'm just like, I want to tell you guys as little as possible. And I just want you guys to trust me and just read it. (laughs) But we like spoilers. Well, there are a lot of people who don't like spoilers. And I feel like for, for my series, it really is one where if you know less like when the plot unfolds, it's that much more satisfying. Mm. 
um, because it starts out as one thing and then it just evolves um, over the course of the three books. And I just think if I don't say anything, people will be rewarded for it later. So like, just <laughs> trust me. <laughs> I mean, I will say I gave away nothing for the plot of A Fire and no, this, And yeah, that is mostly that because I want you two to read it so bad so we can talk about it. Um, okay. Like I recommended it to another friend and she's reading it and she sent me these like cat memes today and she was like, this is how I feel going into this chapter. <laughs> and it's like these cats crying. <laughs> <laughs> I love crying for books. <laughs> I guess that's all the books in January that we read. What is everybody else reading now? <sighs> well. Oh my god, don't ask don't ask that question when Shan will just get so offended. No, it's just like I was just thinking about I'll be the one. Okay, so I, I'm gonna preface with this is a spoiler, and I'm intentionally spoiling it because I don't think either one of you should read this book. Um Or you don't and you don't think anyone should read this book, right? Well, no, I think some people would find a lot of value in this book. <laughs> and by some people I mean um you young adult readers who are struggling with their weight and would like language to help them combat negative talk about their weight and like body types. I do think that it would be it would be helpful for younger folk who are struggling with that side of themselves. Um however <laughs> so this uh Stan I actually wanted to bring this up when you were chatting about the mom in I love you Sambo tree because if you think that mom was bad wow do I have a terrible mom for you oh god the mom and I'll be the one is like so awful like like at least the mom in I love you Sambo tree is you know pursuing her own passions and and trying her best to look out for her child I'll Be the One is a book about a fat uh, Korean-American girl. She's like 16, who is auditioning to be a K-pop star. And so the book takes place in like the Los Angeles area of California. And the entire time she is auditioning, like she's doing, she does fairly well in the competition. I won't spoil anything there, but she, her mom is like telling her, you should drop out because you're too fat. I don't know why you are dancing. Like, you're embarrassing me. Like, imagine what all your relatives are going to say in Korea. If they see how fat you are on TV, people are going to think I'm a bad mom. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. She is a bad mom, though. It's so. terrible. And it's like <laughs> – it is like that the entire book, um, like, from chapter one to the very end. No, oh, great. And it's just exhausting. Like, at some point, one of the main characters, like, friends, tells her, like, you know, this is emotional abuse, right? And I'm glad she called her out on it. Yeah, and, like, the main character has this moment of, like, emotional abuse. Like, no, my mom is just an Asian immigrant mom who's, like, harsh, blah, 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 but, like, eventually does come to the realization that it's abuse. And so that is where I think the story could be helpful for younger readers who are navigating those things and trying to figure it out. But it was exhausting. Like every every single like win that this girl had or positive moment was immediately counteracted by her terrible mom. Um, and I just felt like whiplash after I, after I finished it. I was just exhausted. And on that positive note, I am. Well, Stan and I are currently reading The Name of the Wind. Super long book. We're like, By what? Patrick Rothfuss? Yes, Rothfuss? Pa Patrick Rothfuss. We're like 20-something chapters in. And it's it's all backstory still, I feel like. Like, nothing's happened. It's very slow. There's I like one... Say, but I'm withholding judgment until I finish. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. There's like one big but... moment that just passed, but... I will say it sucks that I'm reading this right after I finished another a completed well-done fantasy series and I'm starting a book that's an unfinished slow fantasy series it does not bode well. Yeah, but it's such like so many people love this series. That's true. Um it's true. What's the hype? We'll I don't know yet. Know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll let you know. Um I'm also going to start reading a man named Ove by Frederick Backman. Ooh. I finally have my hands on it. And then we'll see how that goes. And, you know, what else are you reading, Stan? I am currently 90% through with Grant. <gasps> I'm not sure now. Wow. That's uh, a lot that's... faster than I thought. 
I know. Uh, the audiobook really, really does help um, at 1.5 speed. <laughs> um, but this is just a biography of Ulysses S. Grant, our intrepid general president <laughs> post-Civil War. And I have a lot of thoughts on it, but it is a it is a very good book. But it is also Lengthy. a thousand pages long. Yeah. Um, but proud of you for getting this out of the way early in the year. Yes, it's this is my second, third month. (laughs) Second, (laughs) I I started it December first. Yeah, and I still haven't finished. So it's been over two months. I haven't, and I've been consistently reading. You'll finish it Um, this month. I believe in you. I'm I'm gonna finish it, and I think it's very apt for February to finish it because it is President's Day too, right? Uh, and President's Day. Um, and I will hopefully also be reading The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein, Rothstein, uh, which talks about redlining. It talks about segregation in America. Um, and it's a lot, there's going to be a lot of nonfiction down the pipeline for mm. this next month for me. And I look forward to it. Um, That's and so exciting. For us, the three of us, uh, the next book we're reading together is Trust by Hernan Diaz. Finally. Woohoo! Um, yeah, now we will actually be reading it. Yeah, instead of saying we will be. <laughs> and then Tune not. in yeah. next time. <laughs> and then we'll watch. Yeah. Instead, we'll read two more horrible romance books. Now, hopefully <laughs> the next book will, the next episode will be more uplifting than this one. Well, it better be because Barack Obama put trust on his book list and that's what made it so hard to come by. So it better be worth the wait. I, I I hope it's good. I don't know anything about this book. I know nothing. <laughs> well, I like, th- I like it that way. I will say I did pick up this book before it popped on the hype train because I saw it in like our local bookstore and it looked really interesting. And that is that is all I will say about it. <laughs> okay, cool. Looking forward to it. Thank you all for listening. Hope you guys want to read Trust Along with us. If not, just don't read the other two books <laughs> and read any of the other positive uh, books or positive that feedback. We yeah, yeah, yeah. Positive books that we, we mentioned. I'm uh, not going to lie. I thought Lynn was going to end it at, and if you don't want to read along with us, then just don't. Yeah, well, yeah. if you, you don't, don't, you don't to. have to. Like, yeah, you never have to. We're not putting a gun to your head. Yeah. Oh my god! If you don't want to read with us, that's fine. We don't want to read with you either. Yeah, we're not John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> We're really nice people. I promise. On that note, thank you for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs>